Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, Geekscapists. I've got another little surprise Geekscape podcast for you guys from Kamikaze 2015. Um, this one's with Grant Morrison, who I think is... A pretty smart guy, and he's a really great uh, writer. Probably my favorite Grant Morrison story is All-Star Superman. Uh, Frank Quarley's artwork, uh, I was arguing about it with a friend of mine yesterday. It's just a really amazing Superman story, but he's also done amazing work on X-Men, Batman, uh, pretty much every publisher, and we're not even listing his own independent work as a novelist or a uh, comic book writer. So uh, Grant Morrison's a pretty heady guy, and... I found out about 10 minutes before this panel that they needed a moderator over at Stan Lee's Kamikaze Expo. They were like, hey, can you moderate Grant Morrison for us? And (laughs) it's basically like calling me 10 minutes before and saying, hey, this guy is a uh, really smart, genius level dude who thinks on multiple levels at the same time. Can you talk to him in front of a crowd for uh, 30 minutes and can you do it now? Uh, So... Uh, obviously, I'm a big comic book reader. I've read a lot of his work. So there wasn't a whole lot of research I had to do. I just had to mentally prepare myself to not look like an idiot next to Grant Morrison, which I don't know if I pulled off or not, but you guys be the judge. Here's the panel from Kamikaze 2015. Enjoy. Can you guys hear me? Oh, there we go. Hey. I'm not even going to bother with my name, but this apparently, is Grant Morrison. Apparently I've cancelled, so anyone who can see me is hallucinating this. <laughs> <laughs> so you better go and see your doctor Did if you can see Did they make an announcement it. that you had cancelled? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, uncancelling. There was a bunch of pranksters running about the place telling everyone that I'd cancelled. How many times has it been rumored that you've died over the years? Has that ever happened? There's never been one. What were you saying? Has <laughs> never happened? What, what, what? Can we get get on Twitter and freak everybody out that's not in this room right now? No, don't. My wife will read that. You don't want to do that? My wife will read that. You don't want to be like, rest in peace, Grant Morrison, (laughs) just start it? My wife is back home looking after these two adorable little black kittens that we found. Yeah, but but they're not on Twitter. Yeah, but the kittens will see this and they'll go, oh my God, he's dead. Okay, so we don't don't want to just quickly start like a weird... No. We don't want to make it go viral, rest in peace, Grant Morrison. No, there are kittens out there. (laughs) All right, we won't do that right now. But you guys are lucky. You guys get to be here to see him. Uh, the resurrection, uncancellation of Grant Morrison. That's kind of yep. big. He's back. He's back. <laughs> He's back. Better than ever with more powers. You know, uh, Grant, when they told me that you were going to be here, I'm Jonathan, by the way. I have a booth in the other room, too. You have a booth, too, right? Yeah. Where's your booth? In this room? It's in here. I don't know. I'm signing right. right after this, so, I mean, everyone will find it, I'm sure. So... Um, so 
uh, when I heard you were going to be at the convention, I was like, doesn't he have his own convention now? Mm-hmm. Like, why is, what, didn't you have that convention in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, everyone thinks it was my convention. I had nothing to do. I got no money out of it. I just turned up. And really? He, yeah, I mean, <laughs> seriously, it was organized by the ignition sequence of people out of San Francisco. It was their convention. I was just the guest and my name was on it, but I took all the flack. Everyone's, oh, Grant Morrison made his own convention. How, how boastful can this possibly be? I, got, I, I did it for free. But like, what was, wait, what kind of flack did you get for being like, hi, I'm putting myself out here for the fans who enjoy my work to no, see, like, be, because how jaded pe- are we? Basically, people were saying, Grant Morrison's charging 700 pounds for a ticket just to sniff his sweat. Pounds? <laughs> They what? charge pounds? Yeah, that was dollars. Not I don't on my know. soil, pal. <laughs> Not in USA. Um, and, and, I mean, how was it to have your own convention? It was great. That it was, wasn't really your convention. It was really great. You know, it was just lots of people turned up for three days. We hung about Las Vegas and, and had fun. Because you know Stan Lee has his own convention. Yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. But he deserves it. Stan yeah. deserves it. No, uh, <laughs> it, it's incredible. Who are some of your influences, knowing that, like, People like Stan and you know has his own convention. Yeah. Who where, was Stan a big influence for you as oh, a writer? Sure. A- anyone who works in comics has been influenced by Stan. But mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of grew up in the seventies, so I was I was the generation after Stan. I kind of like Roy Thomas and Jim Starlin and all those weird psychedelic head guys. You know, all the guys who were doing like Doctor Strange and may have been doing a little bit more when, while they were doing Doctor Strange. Yes, yeah, they just come back from Vietnam, so it was all kind of apocalypse now. Even. <laughs> have you read that unauthorized biography of Marvel? You know, they, did, no. they put it out like a year or two ago. No, they, no. When they get to the 70s, you just kind of figure out what's going on with the Marvel offices. Yeah. And you realize where books like Ghost Rider and Doctor Strange all kind of got... Well, the books were actually going out unedited at Marvel in the 70s, and they changed the editors like five times in a week or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just changed the name in the door every day, and someone else would be in charge, but no one was actually in charge, which was the best period of all at Marvel, I think. And what was it like uh, then writing for like 2000 AD? What was, your, was that your start, 2000 AD? Was, it, was that when you're like the first time you were actually put out yeah, in the I mean, limelight as a big writer? It, it was the first time I was able to, to become professional as a writer. I'd been writing before that, doing like small press stuff and, and you know, British magazines and little kind of comics in Scotland. But 2000 AD was the first time I was actually able to afford to, to do nothing but writing. So and did yeah. it feel like that Marvel bullpen from like the 70s were, or was there more structure to it? Or, or did you guys have edicts, like company edicts that were like, hey, in, we're going to push In 2000 AD? Yeah. I mean, there was just, obviously they had things, like it was ultimately it was a comic for young people, so there were certain things you couldn't get away with. But at the same time, it was pretty punk, so there was a kind of satirical edge that I liked about 2000 AD. But again, I was honestly never a big fan of that comic. I just, uh, I just made myself interested in it to get work. Right, right. Uh, what would you? I mean, would what would you suggest to like the aspiring writers out here, uh, if they're looking at a situation where maybe they've been writing for a few years in different mediums, and then they're like, okay, well, I actually want to get hired. What's the best place to aim, in your opinion? Oh God, I mean, the, the trouble is, it was so long ago when I did this, and the, back in those days, the best thing to do was talk to Pharaoh, and mm-hmm. and see how he felt about it. But now, is there's a lot of ways into comics. I think uh, the advice I always give to writers is that if you want to make it as a writer write about your own life you know, because it's the one thing you've got that no one else has got that they, no one else has lived your life so it gives you a unique perspective if you can put that perspective into stories and turn them into symbols then you'll do something that's quite individual but at the same time hopefully it'll reach out and touch people Right. so I think the important thing is always 
you know, I, I always say, if, if you've fallen in love, put it in a story. If your mother dies, put it in a story. If you're in a car crash, put it in a story. Use all the stuff from your life. But don't just say, I was in a car crash and do a, a, one of those kind of bio comics. Turn the car crash into a spaceship crash. Turn the car crash into a time crash. Tell the story through symbols and then you'll reach people with your individual experience. Was that kind of a way when you had adopted something from maybe 2000 AD, a series that had been running for a while, regardless of what the character was, was that a way for you to kind of put on its skin in a way to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to drape myself in, you know, Slade or uh, Slainer or Judge Dredd or whatever I have on my table, but I'm going to tell my experience. Yeah, the- I mean, I would always try to do that. And it's the same, particularly with things like Batman and Superman, even more so, because I, as I say, I was never a huge fan of dread or those things I, I couldn't really project myself that well into that character but with Batman you know the whole seven year run of Batman that I did was kind of exploring my, my own mother's death to be honest it was all about looking into the, the, the pit looking into the, the grave and the, the hole in the ground and the great thing about Batman is that he's this construct of the human imagination that defies that and I think to be able to work with Batman through a time like that and to talk about really dark subjects it's almost a kind of therapy and, like, on X-Men, you had a team book. Yeah. What's the individual approach? Because we were talking about Judge Dredd and Batman mm-hmm. and these singular characters. Mm-hmm. When you start writing something that has multiple voices in it, yeah. how do you divide up uh, your own experiences to distribute them to all these different voices? Well, that's what you do. You just find a part of yourself that's like Wolverine. And the part of myself that's like Wolverine is my left toe. So I kind of <laughs> concentrated on that. But there's things like, you know, Cyclops was my favourite character in the X-Men, always was, and particularly in that book, because I identified with him. I could go back to my teenage years and remember when I used to walk about like this, you know, like yeah. down the street and be afraid of making eye contact and all that stuff. And I, but inside there was all this amazing shit going on. So I felt that that was Cyclops, that was Scott Summers, this very repressed but brilliant guy, and he was like the best superhero in the X-Men because he was so dedicated. So I just kind of put those ideas onto him. With, with something like Emma Frost, there's a part of my personality that's really kind of bitchy and unpleasant and funny. Right. So I kind of gave that to Emma and gave her the kind of, yeah, fuck you kind of thing. And it went, it went that way through all the characters. You know, with Jean Grey, I was kind of combining the bits of myself that are kind of slightly cosmic, but also grounded. You know, I was looking at my wife, who's very intelligent and grounded, and kind of applying that to Jean. And she's kind of an so, old soul. Yeah. And you kind of find that, and then you realise... She's linked to a cosmic entity, which means exactly, she's definitely yeah. an old soul. And, Very and, much so, yeah. And it's a, it, it, it's, what, what's the balance in making an exaggeration of yourself but still keeping that sincerity, that, that core? Well, the sincerity comes from also reading all the X-Men comics and trying to put a part of your personality into the personality that's come through the comics. And in a lot of cases, writers and artists have done these characters very differently. I mean, Scott Summers alone has been portrayed in a lot of different ways and a lot of different... But there's always a core there that we know as Cyclops that we recognise. So I kind of just... I, I attach to that core and then put some of my own experiences on there to make it a little bit more real. Who is your least favourite X-Men? Can you do that without ticking off some fans? Or ticking off an the editor? least favourite? Actually, I don't know. I, I think the ones I didn't like just didn't make it into the book. Right. Because so like, you exploded the X-Men yeah. universe. You know what I mean? Like, you, you added a ton to that team. Yeah, I guess I was just never into, like, Iceman and guys like that. I didn't, I didn't attach myself to that guy. 
So he never appeared in the book, and there was a couple of other characters that I just never went near. So I, I kind of, the ones that were in the book were my, all my favorites. Mm-hmm. And with Batman, when you made Batman International, and you yeah. started saying, okay, Batman's going to go global, was that an extension of Batman, or is that an extension of Bruce Wayne? And how do you deal with the dichotomy in that character? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's almost uh, a hypocritical character. I, I always think of Batman more like Banner and, and, and Hulk than I think of him as actually... Mm-hmm. Uh, a working superhero. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of thought the, the, the big breakthrough for me was that Batman and Bruce Wayne are actually just the same guy. But how, then how does it work? Because with me, it didn't make it... Uh, uh, looking at Batman as a character, uh, if I gave you a billion dollars and said, okay, eradicate, eradicate crime in this city, it seems pretty micro to just go punching people in, like, grease paint in the face. It doesn't seem like you're going to accomplish no, I mean, a lot. No, clearly he's not well. But, yeah, so... so, so, so so, I mean, Bruce Wayne, I think, functions if he's investing in the structure, in the infrastructure of that city, but then he's got this other part he has to deal with where he's just obsessed with it. I mean, he's got this anger, yeah. but then he can't see past next week, realizing that if you put somebody in Arkham, they're just going to walk out the rotating door and come back out. Yeah. So, to me, it kind of feels like a contradiction of a character. How did you unify them together to make them work as a whole. Well, just to say that, yeah, Bruce, Bruce does do all this kind of philanthropic stuff. I mean, he does do that, but there's a part of him that he has to go out and punch things. Why? Because of trauma was inflicted on him and he's never quite processed it through, even after all the martial arts and the meditation. Right. He hasn't quite And the child murder. And, and the murders. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Killed another Robin. Next. And there's always this and next. There's always another one pops yeah. up. So, sure. You know, he sure. knows. He knows. It's but like no, filming I, a kung fu movie in China. It's like, oh, the stuntman got hurt. <laughs> Bring in another one. But you have to think as well, I mean, Batman's mother and father were philanthropists. They actually used their money. But Gotham just gets worse. No matter how much money he spends, Gotham goes in fire, blows up, collapses every three weeks. So <laughs> at, at what point does Bruce realize that his plan isn't really working? He will never realize that. But he, does he make more damage as Batman than he does? No, because he he's not real. His Bruce? He, he's not real, and the damage always Wait, gets. What? He's, he's not, not real. real. Come on, deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, another broken heart. <laughs> I mean, how do you justify that character if, if, it's, a, if it's a spinning wheel? Because like he that? doesn't live in the real world. He lives in a comic book world where the wheel constantly spins in the city he lives in is constantly rebuilt, and his mission never ends. And, and that's the only reality Batman has. But you, but you write books, and you, and you work with a beginning, middle, and end structure when you write your, your own narratives. Mm-hmm. How do you work as a writer? How do, you, how, do you create, how do you keep things original when you're constantly in that second act? By acknowledging that, I think, and by understanding that's how comics work as opposed to novels or television. And how do you things. find these pinpoints of light that excite you, that you work, that you aim towards? Like, okay, I'm going to make Batman International, or I'm going to explore this aspect of it, or like you did in Multiversity, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reinterpret Watchmen. Yeah. You know, where do those little fascinations come from? I guess with, with Batman, the idea was just, I guess, to to take the entire character's history and say, imagine this was one man. Imagine he'd experienced all these things. And also, that I wanted to put him through changes. I thought it'd be interesting to put Batman through a bunch of changes. So take away his memory, take away Robin, give him a new Robin, give him a son, give him, give him a, an international presence. So it was just a case of how much can I change and then put it back to the same place at the end for the next guy. And that's what I did, you know. So the Batman ends with basically, you think he's finished, it's all over, he's, he's had, had this ultimate battle against Talia, 
And at the end, something else comes out, and Batman comes out again. There is no end. He just goes back to doing what he did. And that's how I ended the story, on a, a circle. So I kind of just acknowledged that fact. But during my run, I tried to make as many changes as possible to make it look like a real story where someone was experiencing things that would actually change their attitudes and change their lives. Do you ever fall in love with something you've done to the point where it hurts to have it maybe reset or erased at the end of your run? Yeah, well, everything is like that, but at the same time, you have to understand that you have to get off the stage and let the next guy do it. You know, that's the nature of comic well, I'm books. Doing the, I'm doing the Image Comics panel after this, so I'm not going to get off. Yeah, see, there you go. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to go off the stage, is it? Yeah, okay. But, but <laughs> you I, can I, stay. I, I'm being facetious, but I understand what you're saying. Not what it is. As a, as a writer myself, I'm thinking, okay, what point do you just say no? Like, I, I think I did something that actually improved the character... Uh, and I think it's a good idea for it to stick. I mean, they are bringing Damien back, like, and, and Damien's back, and now... I, I didn't think he should stay. I mean, I thought the kid should die and never come back because right. he, he kind of dates Batman, and I, I always felt the next guy who came on wouldn't want to have to deal with that, and true enough, Scott Snyder doesn't want to deal with Damien because it, it, it makes a specific kind of Batman story that other writers may not want to tell, which right. is why I took him out of the story, but, you know, he was popular, so they brought him back. Right. <laughs> Screaming and kicking is what I'm trying to say back in. And um, Superman. Yeah. All-Star Superman and that approach. Um, ha- the big argument with Superman, I love Superman. I think Superman's the best among all of us. How do you, uh, how do you view that, that, that opinion that Superman is boring because he's all-powerful or Superman is this? And you actually went and gave him a bit of mortality and, and humanized him a bit in, in your run. Was that the first part in getting over that challenge that Superman is boring, or is that just you throwing a loop? I mean, to it's just, I, I, mean I don't agree with it, but it seems to be something that's caught on. Superman's boring because he's too powerful, but no one ever says that about the Hulk or Thor or any of these other super powerful characters. They only ever say it about Superman. So I guess it's something else that makes him boring, and maybe it was the, the kind of attachment of Superman to Republican ideas or to patriarchal kind of this dad kind of version of Superman that existed for... Uh, 20 or 30 years. Yeah, but it's like 20 or 30 years, and before that they were dealing with the whole immigrant yeah. idea of Superman. Were you, is there a new phase of Superman that we can push the character into where we've left those clinging 20, 30 years worth of ideas behind and drape him into maybe something new? And I don't mean, let's freshen him up, yeah. freshen him up, because the death of Superman proved that, no, he's not broken. No, he absolutely. The and prism needs to be shifted. What you see now is in the comics, they're trying to humanize Superman a little bit more by giving him less power. I'm, I'm kind of really interested in what they're doing in the movie because the movie's like the Dark Knight, but it's an inversion of Dark Knight. In, in Frank Miller's Dark Knight, Superman is very obviously working for the government. He's a Republican. He, he hangs out with Ronald Reagan and he's up against a very libertarian outlaw Batman. In the new movie, it's actually changed around with Superman's like the outlaw and Batman's working on the side of, of basically normality to bring this man down. And I think that's a really interesting change in a generation. That in the new movie, Superman isn't representing America. He's in chains representing this kind of outlaw immigrant who's a, a threat to our planet. And I think that's a massive change in Superman that's, that will change the way people look at the character and maybe stop people seeing him as boring or as, as right-wing or as Republican as he has been. And yet, it still goes back to the very beginning of that character. If anything, the immigrant Superman is the immig- Superman we have always had and that we're going to get yeah. again in this movie. And Batman is sort of the capitalist, authoritarian, who's got the resources. Mm-hmm. Um, 
He, but he doesn't get his own movie. Superman does not get allowed his own sequel. Why is Batman still so cool, even though I... Because people love rich dudes, you know. <laughs> Everybody wants to be Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark, and those two characters are very, very similar, and they're kind of the most popular. You know, Iron Man was the most popular character out of those, those movies, and, and Batman's the most popular DC character. And I think it's because they're very rich, self-made men who can do anything they want. And people kind of look up to that right now. This is a culture where people kind of want to be more famous or want to be rich or want to be... And those, those guys have got it, you know? Your favorite character that you've yet to, to pen? Favorite? Your favorite that you've yet to write? Uh, the Flash is the one, you know. My Flash has always been my favorite character, and I've written some Flash stuff, but I, I kind of want to do a definitive one, so I've, I've got an idea for that that I'm going to do. Okay. Have you thrown it at him? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. just, it's going to happen. So. We're going to do it. Hmm? Are you a fan of the... Yeah, I mean... I mean, that character is popular right now. Like, maybe he'll get a TV show. I, th- I think people have heard of him. I mean, <laughs> do you watch the TV show? I saw one. I, said, I don't watch TV, but I watched the Flash of Two Worlds. I couldn't resist. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, was you good. were into it when they did the, the like the shout out to the old cover and everything. You yeah, were like, that Holy stuff. Crap. Yeah, it was like ridiculous. You know, that was aimed just at me. <laughs> you got to go back. Go back and watch the girl. You know what? Go back and watch the entire first season. Honestly, I, I, know, I know. I know. I got no time to watch TV. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, 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 take off your arm and grow it back, and then have the arm grow another Grant, mm-hmm. and have him do it, and then just give you like the the, the short version. Yeah, but look it. at the trouble that caused for Doctor Who. I know. <laughs> right, you can't do that with all your magic powers. No, I can, but I don't want another one running around. You know. You can kill him afterwards. After no, he catches I mean, you up on And flesh, he'd start going him. to better parties and having more fun. And it'd be <laughs> You're looking back at the ground like in high school. <laughs> I know. I He's having all the fun. He's got a cheerleader. Um, I do recommend, you know, if you want like a shorthand, uh, just watch these episodes, kind of guide. I'm sure some of these fans can tell you which of Flash season one to watch because that is a understand. pretty good show. I've never watched Breaking Bad. I've never seen The Wire. I've never, I don't watch any TV at all. So I'm not going to start. Would you, ever be inter- would you ever be interested in uh, maybe writing for the, the medium? Maybe writing television or writing... Yeah, I mean, I'm, right now, I, I, I sold a couple of TV shows based on my comics. I can't say which ones, but I'm, yeah, I'm doing that right now, but I just can't watch anybody else's stuff. Sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Are, are, I mean, are you, you going to be the showrunner on those shows or part of the... the... Uh, potentially, yeah, on one of them at least. So you're going to have to watch edits? You're going to have to be in the room? Yeah, no, I'm terrified. It's... Uh, <laughs> does the... I've never been in a room before. <laughs> <laughs> in the room. You're going to be in the room. Grant, what do you the think room. of these edits? Uh, Any kind of room, honestly. Is this what a TV show is supposed to move like? I don't know. <laughs> I like this. Um, you're also, you just gained the creative capacity over at um, Heavy Metal yeah. Magazine. Yeah. Does that take you back to the 2008 years? Or are you doing something completely fresh, different? Like, how is that different? It takes me back even further to the, the, the stuff that I was doing in the 70s with, with Near Myths in Scotland, which was a kind of small press magazine which was trying to be like heavy metal. And those were the guys who gave me my very first start when I was 17. And they gave me my first money for comics. So I'm kind of going back to that aesthetic, that weird 70s ground level, kind of Howard Chaikin... Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at a lot of stuff that I was into back then and those weird Warren and the comics and the kind of Vampirella stuff and the Marvel black and white. And when does, I mean, when does that new heavy metal launch with your hand all over it? When does, like, Grant Moore... And what's your official title at heavy metal? Uh, I don't know. I you don't know? know. Just, just, just a bunch of dudes making comics. <laughs> Grand thing. I don't know. <laughs> Can we get, like, 
give yourself yeah. a little title when you open the front cover and it says Grant Morrison blank. I don't need a title. I'll just, I'll just come in. Mr. Idea Mr. guy. Mr. Grant Morrison? Yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. Um, <clears throat> when, when can we start picking up heavy metal and seeing some of your influence? I think the first one is February or March and then okay. you start to see it and then that pretty much taken over so I'll be I'll be writing strips in every issue and also bringing in sort of friends from comics and music and doing a bunch of editorial content so yeah I mean as of February March I think. and if we want like a fix before then you've got a Santa Claus book talk, yeah. talk about that it comes out next week yeah Santa Claus thing Claus comes out next week which is the secret origin of Santa Claus and it's kind of <clears throat> Santa done as a superhero which is quite funny Santa as a superhero yeah what's well, the idea I thought here's a guy that every kid loves He's got a distinctive suit, he's got a flying machine, he's, you know, he's got all these weird powers, he can go around the earth a million times in a night. And I thought, let's just treat him as an actual superhero, let's, let's show where he, did, where he got the sled, where the reindeer came from, how he put together the costume, why. And it just became a no-brainer. You know, is it a single issue or is it a series? No, it's, it's a series, it's the, uh -huh. first, the first six issues are kind of the first story and what we hope will be a, a series of stories. Who's putting it out? Uh, Boom Studios. And it's got art by this uh, Dan Mora, who's this amazing artist. It's the most beautiful work. It, it kind of looks like Disney production stills from kind of the Disney period between, say, Sleeping Beauty and Sword in the Stone. It looks like that stuff, and it's really beautiful. Um, that comes out next week? The first it's out next it? week, I think. Yeah, it's the first week in November. You also did the... How long did the multiversity stuff go for at, at DC? Over the past year? You were yeah, it ran, it ran for, for nine months. And are they going to collect that? They, they, they're going to collect that Yeah, stuff. it just, it just well, it came out. I, I think it's out now. I got one sent through the post, so it's probably out now. I don't know if anybody is the multiversity out now. Yeah. It's yeah. out? The multiversity stuff yeah, is so, out? So the, what book, your, the book is out. Was that you just scratching an itch? Did that come from them to you? or, or what was No, the, it was something. It, I've been working on that since 2006. And uh, it was just something I really wanted to do. I've always loved the DC multiverse more than, more than anything. I never found it confusing. I don't think any kid ever found it confusing. Only adults find that stuff confusing. So I kind of wanted to go back and just tell a bunch of stories out with the regular continuity. And part of it as well, it latterly became, once the new 52 came in, there was a whole raft of new writers and artists. And I thought it was, it's their time to tell their story, so I didn't want to be in the regular DC universe and, and get in the way of, of this younger generation doing their own thing. So I thought it made more sense to go and tell stories from different worlds where no one else was playing. What was the most rewarding part of being able to do that with those characters? Like be able to revisit Watchmen or be able to get, give a riff on that stuff? Just getting to do a bunch of different storytelling Did you ever stuff? want it to be official? Did you ever want it to be like, oh, let's just do Watchmen? Because like, <coughs> the, the whole revisitation of Watchmen happened. No, because to me, I mean, I, I was asked if I wanted to participate in before Watchmen, but I, I think Watchmen is complete in itself. It doesn't need anything else. It's absolutely complete. There is no need for a sec another word to be applied to that book. It's so perfectly constructed. And it's not a book I necessarily love. I think it's got problems, as you know. But it's perfectly done. And the idea of, of doing anything else with it seemed insane. But I did like the idea of trying to use some of those techniques with the Charlton characters. It just seemed like a funny notion to take the Charlton characters and treat them as if they were, it was Watchmen. So I, I kind of saw it as, you know what, that Ruttles thing that the... But they did that group, the Ruttles, that were kind yeah. of a parody of the Beatles. But some of the parodies are as good as the original Beatles songs because Neil Innes is such a great songwriter. So for me, that one was like the Ruttles version of Watchmen, basically. And I was trying to do something that was at least as considered and had its own, you know, it has its own grids, it has its own repeating motifs, but it's based on those storytelling techniques taken forward a little bit. Okay, 
Uh, final question, because they gave me the ouch. Uh, what are you writing right now? Like, if you go back to your hotel, like, what's on your laptop? What are you writing right now? Uh, go on. I'm just writing some stuff for heavy metal. I've got some, uh, just a bunch of stories that I'm doing there. I'm writing one story about this guy called Louis Wayne. I don't know if, if any of you have heard of this guy. He drew cat pictures in the Edwardian era and then became schizophrenic. And his artwork, the, the cats, the, these normal naturalistic cats, turned into the most beautiful, fractal, insane, kind of like psychedelic cats where there's nothing left but the eyes. You look him up on Google, Louis Wayne really amazing work. So I'm doing a kind of story based on, on some of the stuff that he did. He did the first ever cat cartoon before Felix, but no one remembers it, this thing called Pussyfoot. And he did cat comic strips for Hearst in 1907, but no one remembers them, because then you get Crazy Cat and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm doing a big cat story now because of these little kittens, you see, yeah. which brings us back to the beginning, just yeah. like Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems appropriately weird enough and interesting enough to be a Grant Morrison title. We look forward to it. Uh, I guess it'll be about early next year or mid-spring yep. uh, at the latest. Um, dude, Grant, thanks for right, talking no, thank to Thank you. Here. It was fun. Dude. Thank you. That was completely I'm awesome. sorry we never got to ask questions. I usually like questions, but I'm, I'm doing a signing over there, so if anyone wants to come along and talk, I'll, I'll just be over there. Thank you, thank guys, you. so much.